This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friend James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com is the number one source for high-quality seeds with a money-back guarantee and lightning-fast shipping. To catch the latest drops from all of your favorite breeders, check out SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 734 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to answer a couple of listener emails. Before I get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to my friend Rasta Greenthumb. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you. Shout out to my buddy Curbside Gardens. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Captain Mojo and Made While Medicated. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Mr. Mean Green. Let's send a thank you shout out to Jessica K and lots of trichomes. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to my buddy Doc Grows. Let's send a thank you shout out to B Bala and Glenn Geroni. Let's send a thank you shout out to Frogman420. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Fruggle Rock. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to The Dad Haze. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it super easy for all of my friends to support the show on Patreon. Before I get too far, I do want to apologize that sometimes I've noticed the episodes are not loading on Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts in a timely, appropriate manner. I do schedule those episodes to pop up. Uh, It is, what is it, midnight when it shifts from Sunday night to Monday morning. I guess that's midnight Monday. I'm not sure if that's midnight Sunday. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. The shift in mountain time from Sunday to Monday at 12 o'clock. That's when the show should post. Also, Wednesday to Thursday, that transition, it should post. However, some of the servers are late. Some of them are behind. I don't completely understand the technology that makes it happen, but I know that I post my file, my show to an RSS feed. Uh, Every so often, those servers do what is known as a crawl. They make sure that they've got all the RSS feeds caught up. They go through and they do an update. It's like, do I have any messages is basically what they do. They scroll through and they say, hey, Ross and Jeff posted some new shit. We'll put that out to the feed. They post it up to their stuff. Then you guys were able to access it. Sometimes it happens instantly. Sometimes it takes hours for it to happen. There are servers that I can't even get to update at this point in time. A lot of people tell me that my show is not working on Google Podcasts. I've emailed them. I've updated the server. I've done everything I know how to do. That shit isn't going to work. I don't know what to do next. The customer service is basically tired of me. They have quit responding. I might be stuck. One day I may get inspired to start over there, but so far Google Podcasts has been shit out of luck. I noticed that recently Stitcher Radio has stopped updating my show completely. I've messaged customer service there. They have not given me a resolution. My point here is I do know now that the episodes that the shows are messing up on some servers. However, I did not know until a few polite listeners messaged me. If I'm missing shows, if the episodes are not popping up where they should be, when they should be, maybe I don't know. I don't watch my show 
uh, on every platform as often as I should. I don't check as much as I should. Maybe I rely on the audience to let me know when things go wrong. And a lot of times you do, sometimes you do not. So I do encourage you. You may not, you might not even hear this because you're waiting for an episode to update somewhere and you don't even know that this is coming out with, this could be completely redundant. However, if I do miss an episode, you're wondering where it went. I put it out. The server just did not grab it on time. Uh, if you're listening to this, which you feel is way late, I apologize. I'm trying. I put the episodes out. Like I said, I try to have them ready for you uh, Sunday and Wednesday. So they are prepared. Sometimes those crawls don't happen. Sometimes they don't grab. Again, I apologize. Bottom line here, let me know because I'm putting this shit out. I want to make sure it gets to your ears. Where do we go from there? The merchandise sale. In the month of April, I'm doing a huge sale on all of the merchandise on my website. That is the shirts, hats, stickers, uh, rolling trays, grinders. A few things are selling out, so grab them quickly. Um, thank you to everybody who has supported the merchandise sale. The sale, is, sale has been amazing. Uh, I did do a coupon code for everybody that joins the newsletter. I did a coupon code for everybody on Discord, and I did a tiered level of coupon codes for everybody on Patreon. The lower levels got a smaller coupon. The higher levels up, they got bigger coupon codes. The mod team on Patreon got really hooked up. Thank you guys for all of the Patreon and Discord and what is it? Merchandise support. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you for the support on the merch sale. I've been trying to clean out some boxes, make some space so that I can order more stuff. Having boxes with like three and four t-shirts in it, taking up a space is annoying. We're going to replenish and refresh. If you've been looking for sizes, if you've got new ideas, stay tuned. New merch is coming soon. Uh, it is kind of a one-man show, so I'm a little bit overloaded with stuff like that. I've got a lot of great merch ideas. If you have more ideas, send them to me. Uh, grow from your heart at hotmail.com. I love merch ideas. Shout out to everybody who sent me the great ideas. I will get them rolling. It is coming. It's just me. Try to stay more focused on making seeds, doing podcasts, and stuff like that. Anyway, let's move forward. Thank you guys for all of the merchandise sales and support. I do appreciate that. The next thing I do need to give a big shout out to is the secret discord. What there is a Rasta Jeff secret stash discord that I'm not supposed to talk about. So I'm not gonna, we're going to move forward in this episode. We're going to cover a couple of emails and I've got a few great messages right here on the table. Let's jump right into it. The first one here came from my buddy, Alabama, man. What's up? You bad motherfucker. Hope you're doing well. This message goes a lot like this. It says Rasta Jeff. Here's one for the show. What is a private grower to do when all of the testing labs on Google require strict adherence to state laws, grower IDs, and such? Are there any labs you're aware of that accept private samples for testing? Unfortunately, in the state of Colorado, uh, right now we are not allowed to have our personal private grows tested to the best of my knowledge. All of the testing facilities have to be regulated by the Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division. There is a reason for that. A lot of people don't like the rules and reasons and regulations, but let me explain why this rule is in place. For a facility to possess the amount of cannabis which may be delivered to a testing facility at any one given time, they would go over their legal limits in the state of Colorado without some sort of special licensing, without some sort of possession limit. So if we all just took, it maybe take one gram, maybe two grams of your batch. If we all took two grams or a gram to this testing lab, they're going to have at least ounces, probably pounds, maybe multiple pounds of product on site at one time, 
which does make them over the limit for their regular possession of cannabis in Colorado. We're allowed to have two ounces in our possession. 28 grams times two is 56 grams. That's going to put them over their limit really quickly. If they get good clientele, good customers, uh, they can't have anything in storage. They can't have a backlog. So you can't bring it in, give it to them. They can't test it. Also, there's no legal transfer uh, opportunity there. They have to have a way to receive the product from the person giving it to them. Then they have to receive it away. It's got to be documented. So uh, to avoid any sort of weird legal complications, illegal transfer, illegal possession, they did decide to regulate those facilities by the Marijuana Enforcement Division, which means only facilities which are regulated by the Marijuana Enforcement Division are allowed to use those facilities. So the commercial grows are the only ones that can use those here in the state of Colorado. To the best of my knowledge, there may be little private pop-up shops that are doing it. Uh, that are not advertising heavily. I don't know where they are, wink, wink, uh, but they may be secretly available. That is the state of Colorado. In newer states, I'm not exactly sure um, the way the testing is working there. One thing, I do have two recommendations that I can recommend for you. Uh, one is they are now offering at-home testing devices. I do not work for any of those companies. There's one company that's named after a color. Uh, if you would like to send me a sample of your uh, sample of your THC testing device, I would love to play with that. I would do a solid review on the show. Uh, if you want me to buy it for a half price or a, a advertising price, let's reach out and talk to each other. It's a little expensive uh, for a toy that I wouldn't use very much, but if they sent it to me, I would definitely talk about it on the show, advertise the shit out of it. It is named after a color and it is a testing device that will test your THC content at home. I have a couple of friends who say it is a very reliable device. Now here's what you can do with it. I wouldn't rely on it to be uh, as reliable as a lab. And I'm going to talk more. Let's talk about that right now. The labs aren't hundred percent reliable in my opinion. Anyway, I know how to skew a lab test. I've sent uh, one sample, two samples to a lab and have had two totally different tests. I've had the same sample sent to two labs and had totally different tests. The lab testing is not 100% accurate at this time yet anyway. So the at-home lab testing may be just as good. You could pay one price for this device. I do believe it's about $1,500. But once you've got it, you can test all your products. The testing gets expensive if you test a lot anyway. Uh, so you can get this one tester at home and test with that. It may not be 100% accurate is where I was headed, but it will give you a range. If you were a breeder and you were pheno hunting, or if you're a grower that is pheno hunting, you're trying to find that phenotype that produces the most THC, you'll still know which one produced the most. One will say 17, one will say 18, one will say 19. If that machine isn't 100% accurate, we still know which one is low, medium, and highest. That will be a good place to start and then test a bunch of products with that, then send those same products to labs and see how close that testing comes back, compare them. Once again, if you run a THC testing company that makes a at, an at-home product, let's talk because I would love to have one of those on the show. I'd love to play with that. I'm talking to you if your company is the name of a color. All right, so the at-home testing in Colorado, the first thing I would recommend is get yourself an at-home testing device. The one named after a color is the one I recommend. Nobody pays me to say that. I've got friends that have used it. They say it's a great product. The next way that you could do this in Colorado, um, Allegedly, I've heard of people doing this. I can't tell you to do this. I can't recommend that you do this. I may get in trouble for that. So I'm going to say what I know people to have done in the past is to find a CBD testing laboratory. 
In the state of Colorado, if you want to grow hemp or CBD plants, those plants cannot test within a threshold of cannabis over 0.3%. So they can't, is it 0.3 or 3%? Doesn't matter. There's a low number of THC those plants can have in them. And if they have higher than that, they're not allowed to be sold as hemp plants. They're no longer CBD. They're THC plants. Your crop is what we call hot. It's got to be destroyed or it's got to be uh, mitigated in some way. It's where that THC doesn't make it to your clients. So a lot of those brands, a lot of those farms are required to test their product. They have a testing lab set up where a lot of people take their hemp and get it tested. Maybe, possibly, I've heard of people taking their homegrown cannabis there that they knew was going to be super high testing in THC and zero CBD, and you just turn it in and you say, here's my hemp sample, can you give me a report? And they call you back and they go, they don't really say this, but they kind of say this, they go, you motherfucker, you knew this was going to be 32% THC and zero CBD, this is not qualifying as CBD as hemp, what are you going to do? And they go, oh, thank you for the lab report, thank you a lot, and they pay it and they have a fucking THC report that says 32%. That is a shady, shifty way to do it, but it's all too common here in Colorado because that is what we've got to do if a home grower does want to get their product tested in a reliable, safe, effective way and not buy a home testing device. All right. I think I wrapped that one up um, with all the strict adherence to laws. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to either find a lab testing place that will test a home grower stuff, buy yourself a home testing device or be shady and send it through a hemp testing facility. Another way you could do it. If you have some friends that run a commercial grow, maybe you can sneak your sample in with their sample batch and they'll let you get away with that. But that's illegal. I can't recommend that. I couldn't tell you that you do that, but I've heard of people allegedly possibly doing that. Keep in mind, Rasta Jeff is a fictional character. Anything we say here is all for entertainment purposes. Let's move forward. I do have another email here in front of me. This one says a little bit like this. It says, yo, Rasta Jeff, I hope all is well. I have a grow question for you, buddy. That is my department of expertise. It says, if I reversed a female, uh, has hella pollen sacs, but no pollen, could it be from too strong of an STS solution? Yes, it absolutely could. It could be from too strong. It could be too weak. It could be not enough sprays. It could be too many sprays. There are so many variables that can contribute to the STS not working. That's why when I do an STS spray, I always recommend spraying multiple clones of the same cultivar that you want to produce pollen of. That way you've got uh, different uh, applications will produce different results. I'll hit one plant with 90, one with 80, one with 70. If I've got more plants, I'll spray one more often. I'll spray one less. I'll just do different shit. That way I know that something is going to work. And I write down what I did to plant A, B, and C, and I write down what worked. And I remember that for the next time I grow that cultivar and I do intend to reverse it. Let me read more of the message here just to make sure I don't skip anything. It says, I started with a 50 mil part A and B to 400 distilled water, spraying five days, sprayed every three days. Oh, I see the problem. You only put, let's see, 50 mils parts A and B. That may work. If you used the right dilutions of the right amounts of products A and B, your half a gram and two and a half grams, you mix them in the distilled water, started spraying five days before flipping, sprayed every three days. Uh, the last spray was on day 20. What do you recommend? Um... I also want to try to reverse this exact same strain. So I don't want to just move on until I'm sure she won't reverse. Oh, this is just the first try. When it comes to reversing plants, do not ever expect that first attempt to be completely successful. That is, uh, sometimes that works, but some plants are very picky. It doesn't say what plant you are using. Some plants are very picky. Some plants will reverse, will reverse very easily. What I would recommend 
uh, is mix up a fresh batch of the silver thiosulfate, a brand new fresh batch, cut three clones of the same plant, spray one at 90, one at 80, one at 70% dilution and see what happens then. Spray seven days before a flip, then flip, then spray day one, then you understand the pattern. Spray on the day one when you flip and then spray up to about day 24 and then let's see what happens. Maybe one of those will spit out the pollen for you. If not, I do have other recommendations. We may have to spend a little bit more money. We may have to step up our game, but we do have other options. Let's try different dilutions and see if a little stronger dilution or a little lighter dilution will work. Uh, possibly if you can do more plants, let's spray one of them uh, more frequently and one of them less frequently. Let's experiment a little. You've only got one sample. So this isn't scientific. This is all uh, so many variables, so many anomalies because it is only one testing sample. Let's do the test again. Let's control it. Let's take a lot of notes and see what we get from don't give up. You are absolutely correct. You say you don't want to just move on. Do not give up. Let's try the same plant multiple ways. Uh, you know that that one way didn't work. Let's see if we can get it to work a couple of other different ways. So if you're out there trying to reverse a plant and it didn't work the first time, don't get discouraged. I hope you took a lot of notes. I hope you're ready to try again. I hope you didn't have those girl plants all ready to go already. And you've got female plants in the room that are not going to get pollinated. I hope we can try again. Don't get discouraged. Put science into it. Put some passion into it. That is why fem seeds are a little bit more expensive. You guys, we got to do a lot of work to make that stuff work. All right, my dude, uh, who did this come from? There is no name on this message. You know who you are. Thank you for the great question. I hope the STS works. Uh, maybe watch that episode one more time. Make sure you're mixing properly, then spray three plants. See how that goes. If you've got further questions, reach out because you know I would love to help you out. All right, I do have one more message in front of me that I'd like to read. It was not that one that I picked up right there. Um, we're going to read this one. All right, after some shuffling, I found the message that I do want to read. This one comes from the Grow Help tab on the Irie Genetics website. That's right, if you visit iriegenetics.com, I-R-I-E genetics.com, iriegenetics.com, there is a Grow Help tab. If you click on that Grow Help tab, it will ask you a few preliminary questions. We ask you what strains you're growing, if you're growing indoors or outdoors, what kind of lights you're using, just basic things like that to give me an idea of how to help you. Then at the bottom, it says explain the problem. We let you explain your grow problem. Just a few details on this one. We're growing multiple strains, which include Hood Candy, 91 Chem to Bubba. There's a couple of cool crosses in here. We're growing under LEDs. The plants are in flower. It says they're in week 19. That's got to be week 19 overall, because if you're flowering for 19 weeks, you're a fucking savage. It goes on. It says it's in cocoa. It got fed jacks. Um, the temp is right. The humidity is cool. Then it says the problem. Um, hey there, Rasta Jeff. I used to be a Patreon member. Uh, we're not going to read all that. We're going to, so basically the issue I've been running into is powdery mildew toward the end of flower. That is a common issue. And I do know why based on the photos that came with this message, it says I'm at my wits end with how to correct this. My last run is about six weeks in. I had a PM flare up. So I knew I needed to change things up as well as do a super deep clean. I need to clean every fan blade and corner of my room. So this run and veg, I stepped up my IPM with a rotating schedule of DefGuard and Dr. Zymes with a final application of MycoStop the day that I flipped, as well as I added a 16-inch oscillating fan in my little 4x4. 
All right, so you got a lot of stuff going on in that 4x4, a lot of preventative sprays. However, a lot of those preventative sprays don't stick around long enough. You're spraying at the end of veg, then you've got that nine-week flowering cycle, about six weeks, the buds get chunky. We get a lot of activity from the leaves, a lot of water moving around in that small space. Then guess what? Ding, ding, powdery mildew pops up. It goes on, it says, I added a second fan on the floor trying to create a cyclone effect uh, below the canopy to push any stagnant air up. That is a good idea. And then it goes on, it says, so we're about to start week three. Last night, I spotted two leaves with very small spots of powdery mildew on them. I'm at my wits end and I'm not sure what else I can do. I'll admit I have some fluctuations in my RHN temp, uh, never more than 10 points. Yeah, more than 10 points, that 10 points could be doing it, especially with some of the things that I see in this room we're gonna talk about. Uh, it says, I'm about to do a super heavy defoliation and I'm hoping that I'll be able to finish this run out, but I fear the worst. I'd love to hear your SOP for powdery mildew. I think you've heard uh, you mentioned cease before, but why I would love your thoughts on this. All right. Uh, I've got pictures of this room. And the first thing that I noticed is that those plants are way too close together. There are too many plants in there and it is too leafy. Uh, our dude Minds Eye Open said they were going to do, going to go in the room and do a heavy defoliation. Uh, that should have been happening much sooner. With as many plants as you've got in there, as much foliage as you've got in there, you are lucky that it took you this long to get powdery mildew. There's a lot of activity happening in the room. There are a lot of leaves touching. There are a lot of spaces where there are microclimates in there. There's a lot of moisture. There are a lot of microclimates, perfect warmth in that room. You're always going to get powdery mildew unless you spread those plants apart, give them some room to breathe, and do a an extremely heavy defoliation in that room. It needs to be defoliated very heavily. I would go in there on day one of flower and take a lot of leaves off. Then when they grow back, I would go in in week three, then I'd go in in week six, and then right before flower, I would strip them just about, or right before harvest, I would strip them just about naked. You've got a lot of leaves in that room. I wouldn't have half as many leaves in that room as I excuse me, as I see on these plants. So one of the first things to do would be a heavy, heavy defoliation. I'd go in there and just take off all of the leaves that you don't think are necessary. I did a defoliation episode recently. Give that a listen. Anything with a hint of powdery mildew, get rid of it. Then take all of those leaves, get them far from the grow, the trash, the dump, the landfill, whatever, get rid of them. Then clean up yourself, clean up your scissors, clean up everything real well. Now, if you want to talk about integrated pest management to help get rid of that powdery mildew, the first thing we need to do is correct the plants, too much leaf. The second thing we need to do is correct the airflow. You may have a lot of moving air, but are you getting rid of the the stagnant air, that old uh, sweaty air, is that going out somewhere? Are you evacuating that, exhausting that somewhere? Are you pulling in fresh air somehow? That may help you out. Also, let's get a lot of random movement going on in those plants. A fan is gonna move the air one way all the time. Let's put another fan in there to make that air mix. You've got one on the floor. Let's mix the air as often as possible. Get a lot of air exchange, air mixing, new air, fresh air, no stagnant pockets in there. I think defoliating will really help your fans be effective. Right now, the fans aren't working past that first layer of plants. Every plant that is behind plant number one is not getting wind. There's so much leaf and so much foliage. Uh, you can't feel the wind through the forest is what I think I'm trying to actually say. So defoliate, uh, adjust the airflow in the room, adjust the air exchange in the room. That will also help you correct the VPD, the vapor pressure deficit, the relative humidity and the temperature will be more easily controllable by having less leaves because the leaves will be putting out less water. You'll have less humidity in the room. It will help you out. Also save you on some watering time. You'll be able to water less frequently because you don't have as many leaves in there to keep wet. 
Then uh, if you really want to talk about more of an integrated uh, pest management strategy to get rid of the, uh, the powdery mildew, there are a few products that I do like. You did say that, you know, I mentioned Cease. Cease is a great product. I do like to spray that one. I also like a couple of products called B52 and Double Nickel. Those are also great products for taking care of the powdery mildew. Uh, also, sometimes if it gets real bad, uh, I wouldn't be uncommon for me to hit those plants with H2O2, a very, very low dilution of H2O2 or hydrogen peroxide. People are going to say that the hydrogen peroxide and H2O2 are the exact same thing. However, they are not. There are other products added into that H2O2. If it was the same thing, it would not be labeled H2O2. I think it would just say hydrogen peroxide. There's other stuff in that bottle. So I've been corrected on that before. Uh, it's a different thing. The 30% hydrogen peroxide and the H2O2 product are different things. There's also Xerotol. Xerotol does have other stuff in there. Uh, those are all three similar, but different products that will work very well for the powdery mildew that will uh, dissolve the powdery mildew, dilute it very low, uh, spray it directly onto the plant, wash it, watch it wash and eat that powdery mildew right off of your plants. All right. So those are products I would recommend. I would do the cease, the double nickel. I think the other one was called B52. What's the one that turns the water purple? I can't remember that one right now. Grandivo. Grandivo may be good for powdery mildew if I remember correctly. Um, then also there is Xerotol, there is hydrogen peroxide, and there is H2O2. Please be very careful using those products. They are very caustic. They will burn your skin. They will burn your eyes. They can burn your plants if you do not dilute them quite properly. Be careful. Read the freaking label. Follow the rules. All right. Um, my dude, mine's eye open. I hope I gave you some useful advice here. Uh, defoliate that room, dude. There are a lot of leaves, a lot of foliage, a lot of water happening in that room. Uh, the less leaf in the room, the less opportunity for powdery mildew. I describe it as if there are no hotels, the hippies won't come to party. If there are no campsites, the hippies won't camp out. If you get rid of all the campsites, there's nowhere for the bugs, nowhere for the mildew. It will give you some more success. Set yourself up for success, my dude. Defoliate, correct the room. Then if you still have problems, apply an integrated pest management strategy that would include, I may just spray down that whole room with Xerotol or the hydrogen peroxide. I may just spray down the whole freaking room just to make sure there's nothing in there just to clean it all up. All right, minds eye open. Thanks again for the great question. I do look forward to hearing back from you with the follow-up. Let me see if my, my advice helped you out at all. Uh, let me know if we did any good for your grow. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you sexy cannabis enthusiasts out there. I want to thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you for all the continued support. We are trying to get to 10,000 YouTube subscribers. We are super close. If you are listening on an audio platform, I do invite you to check out the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Grow From Your Heart podcast. Just click subscribe. Help me get up to 10,000 subscribers. I would appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube and you have not subscribed already, now is the time. Click subscribe. Click on that little notification bell. You will not miss any of my messages. I think that is all I've got for you for this episode. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know I would love to hear from you. The email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Please don't be shy. Send me that constructive criticism, that positive feedback. Let me know what you think about the show. Maybe I'll give you a shout out. Maybe we'll make some adjustments. Uh, if anything else, check out the website at iregenetics.com. There's a link to the merch store. There's a link to the Grow Help tab. You can sign up for the newsletter. The Patreon link is there. The Discord link is there. And if you can find that Rasta Jeff secret stash discord 
you will be in luck. There's some great shit happening. There's some great shit coming up. Don't be shy. Search for it. Give us a find. Join the party. That is all I've got for you for this episode. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a giant shout out to my friend James Bean. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.